Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Dropped him for cycling back for Wheeler. Shot. He scores. Oh, a thing of beauty. Patrick Laine has goal number five. Hit for Kyle Connor. Kovac scores. That was beautiful. Get it in queue for the highlight reel. Ground control. The official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. This podcast is going to be a little bit different than the others. Uh, episode 51, I believe we're at, if I get the head nod from young Daniel Moss. Uh, it is him and I here in the Jets TV office back at Winnipeg after an incredible weekend in Regina. Mitchell Clinton and Tyler Esquivel have since departed and sit in sunny California while all of you guys stare at snow flying everywhere and get ready for what winter has for us. But good for them and for the Winnipeg Jets because they're coming off a big win. Uh, City of Regina, the NHL, congratulations. Tremendous job over the weekend. Uh, it was one of the best moments of the entire weekend was watching practice on Friday at Mosaic Stadium. It was really warm outside. Uh, players having a great time. The ice wasn't the greatest, very bumpy to say the least. But uh, sitting on the Jets bench and taking in practice was one of my favorite memories ever covering this game it was just really neat to say see the the layout uh the massive jets and flames logo sitting by the ice the stage that the nhl had uh the the bands playing on throughout the weekend was uh, just incredible to see it and it was a lot neater than i expected it to be uh saturday beautiful weather or not beautiful weather, it was awful awful weather can't believe people didn't dress for this occasion i uh, heard a lot of people were like actually in the bathrooms warming up and didn't watch most of the game so I don't understand why hearing the weather forecast, snow and minus around minus eight wasn't the warning that people needed to dress properly. So to those of you that froze in the bathrooms and missed uh, what I thought was a great hockey game, I guess you'll know better for next time. But uh, I still understand that whole process. Like the All-Star game, I had never been to one until two years ago. And I, wasn't, I, I stopped watching the All-Star game, kind of thought it was a, a hokey event. Clearly, it's for the, the corporate sponsors. And I kind of felt that way about the outdoor games because there's so many of them every year. Now, having been to both two All-Star games now and my first Heritage Classic, I am a huge fan of these games. Just the sight lines and uh, the snow coming down on Saturday was is something, again, I'll never forget. And it's pretty hard to make something even close to that throughout a long National Hockey League season. So it was a nice thing uh, to have that broken up by the Heritage Classic, or I should say the 2019 Tim Hortons, NHL, Heritage Classic. It's a mouthful, but that's the way it goes. So uh, Jets fans, just a huge shout-out to you. You guys were clearly the stronger presence in the stands. I saw a lot of photos, saw a lot of you guys walking around the streets of Regina throughout the weekend, so good for you. Uh, Just an incredibly strong presence within the city. And I just... I know that people in Winnipeg and Regina don't really like each other going back with the Blue Bombers and, of course, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But, man, just the contempt sometimes that people have for each other being from Regina or Winnipeg and just hearing you guys talk about one another, it's, it's very interesting. It reminds me of my days. Well, it is like Calgary and Edmonton in some ways. So uh, that, that was very neat to see up close. Uh, another cool moment, and there's so many of them from the weekend, uh, a 13-year-old kid from Saskatoon named Blake Wheeler. That's his real name. Uh, met the real Blake Wheeler, of course, the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, we had, uh, were kind, they were kind enough to let us follow them around, mic up young Blake uh, to watch practice on Friday with his brother Ben and his parents. Uh, the coolest part of that whole segment was Mark Shifley being introduced to the young Blake Wheeler. And at first, Shifley didn't believe the kid's name was actually Blake Wheeler. He's like, no way. So make sure you take uh, that in if you haven't already. We had some great social 
uh, reach on that one. Uh, the video you can see on WinnipegJets.com. So uh, it was really nice to meet the Wheelers. Really cool to see young Blake meet the real Blake Wheeler and the interaction between those two guys was uh, was fantastic. So after the loss to the Los Angeles Kings on Tuesday, the Jets didn't skate that well through the first 30 minutes of that game at Bell MTS Place, which closed out their five-game homestand. The Jets go 1-4 and four on that homestand. They lose 3-2 to the Kings. Uh, it, it was important for them, I think, to win the game on Saturday, and I might be understanding that. They had three days. They lost on Tuesday to the Kings, skated a couple of days, arrived in Regina on Friday, but it was I think that, that win was more important to them than the Calgary Flames. They're now 6-6. Six and six. But we'll just take you through this. We don't ordinarily do this on the podcast, but there were some really great quotes um, after the game. So kind of slowly take you through the game. I know you saw it. I know most of you have seen it. Uh, I know you've heard about it. But there's some really interesting moments in this game. And, um, you know, the sight lines were great. The snow was coming down. The snow was a big problem the second period. There's a long stretch. I think it went about seven or eight minutes without a stoppage in play. So the white stuff is accumulating like crazy on the ice. And you could see when players fell down behind the net – powders flying up in the air uh, and then the shovels got out there the NHL again did a great job making sure they cleaned it off for uh, ideal ice surface so uh, third period was much better to me uh, players said it was some of the best ice they've been on and that helps I guess when it's minus eight to minus 10 outside and, and there's no snow and it wasn't actually as windy as they thought it was going to be so it was great ice in the final period in overtime and it, it really showed because Winnipeg took over from the beginning part of the third period and through overtime, they outshot Calgary 19-4. to uh, And then, of course, the three, oh, three minutes and four seconds of overtime. Uh, when Calgary took the lead on the Lindholm power play goal, the Jets wisely challenged because earlier Matthew Kachuk had knocked down the puck with a high stick. It was obviously a high stick. And I'm not just saying as an employee of the Winnipeg Jets – Gets his checks every two weeks from uh, True North. But this is it was so obvious to me that it was a high stick. Now, the NHL Situation Room ruled that Kachuk's stick was at or below the normal height of his shoulders when he contacted the puck prior to Lindholm's goal. Now, their argument is he was hunched over when he knocked the puck down. So ordinarily, his shoulders would be at the place where his stick was, which to me is one of the most ridiculous explanations in the history of explaining why it wasn't a high stick. It was the, is the normal stick or the shoulder height Zdeno Chara or Tyler Myers? Cause that's what it seemed like. That's how high stick, how high Matthew Kachuk's stick was. So Paul Maurice said many cool things on Saturday and throughout the weekend, but this was his best when he was asked what he thought of the explanation he was given of why it wasn't a high stick. What was the explanation on the, Challenge. Yeah. Um, so let's just, I'll answer a question that you didn't ask. Um, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking this thing might be a high stick. And the TV is set on our bench so that it's not behind the bench. All the players and they're losing their minds because clearly it's a high stick in their feeling. I'm making that call all day long just, just because I wouldn't have got off the bench. Right, that had me in a tape ball in the corner. So I did what I thought was right. After that, the Jets killed off two important Flames power plays. Now, the penalty kill has been much maligned, and for good reason. They're not getting it done at this point. There's many reasons behind that, and we've gone over that in this podcast many times, so we're not going to do that today. But two penalties after that. The delay of game they got for the challenge that did not work, and then right at the end of the second period, Adam Lowry got a boarding penalty, and that kind of 
put the Jets in a tough place. Now Adam Lowry is having a phone hearing uh, at some point today on Monday as we're taping this podcast. Uh, so clearly you're going to hear the news about that, what, whether it's a suspension or a fine. Um, the boarding penalty happens at the end of the second period. Flames are, Flames are up one nothing, And then they go into the third period with a clean sheet of ice, ready to go on the, with the man advantage. So they kill off those two penalties. And then on top of that, Tucker Pullman uh, comes back in the Jets lineup. He plays with Josh Morrissey. And with the Flames still leading one nothing to third, this is, to me, the play of the game. Tucker Pullman has his stick shatter on a one-timer attempt right at the Flames' blue line, and Calgary breaks out two-on-one. Now, Pullman wisely heads to the bench, and it, I did not know this until today after talking with many people. He got, he got a stick from the bench, and it was the wrong hand. So he races down, gets the stick, races down. Josh Morrissey's back on the two-on-one, and Pullman gets back in time and knocks down Sam Bennett, who had been all alone on Connor Hellebuck with a chance to make it 2 nothing, and then it's game over at that point because that's just the way the day was going for the Jets. So type in Tucker Pullman on Twitter today if you haven't seen the play. And we got footage of the pilot helmet presentation in Regina. It's on all our social channels to so go there after you listen to the podcast or while you're listening to it. Go ahead, please look at it because it's just an incredible play by Tucker Pullman. And many thanks to the Jets PR department for allowing us into the dressing room afterwards for a really cool moment. So it was, it's, uh, I think, first of hopefully many times we get to be in the room for celebrations. It's a, a new experience for us, but it was really cool to be there. Well, I wasn't there. Daniel Moss, cameraman extraordinaire, was in there getting the shots of Tucker Pullman. So we got a lot of reach on that one as well. So, and I even read a comment that said, uh, more of these videos, please. So hopefully this is just the start of, of that. Um, so Tucker Pullman, you're a, GD hero in my eyes today with that, with that play to keep it a one nothing hockey game. So the Jets get that late power play, and Winnipeg's power play had gone 0 for 4. They had some good chances, but really couldn't. Like, there were decent chances, but none of those grade-A scoring opportunities. So Maurice makes the decision to switch Neil Pionk back to Josh Morrissey, who was manning the, the first power play. And Morrissey, on a beautiful shot, David Riddick had been outstanding throughout the hockey game made 40 plus saves in the end for the Calgary Flames, especially when the Jets took over the game. Uh, he ties the game with his first of the season. The place erupts. Like it was so loud, we could hear from the, through the glass. Ordinarily, when you're watching a game inside an NHL arena, there's no blockage of sound. Uh, we were listening to the CBC broadcast, which was probably between 15 and 20 seconds behind what was really happening. So it'd be really confusing because they'd be doing play by play while the play was stopped and you'd look down and you're trying to figure that out. But that's another story for another time. So Morrissey ties that game uh, first this season. Now, he had played the majority of his Western Hockey League career in Saskatchewan with the Prince Albert Raiders, of course, was later traded to the Kelowna Rockets to close out his uh, WHL career. And to Morrissey, he said the goal was important, first off, to tie the game up, especially in the power play. It was a big moment, but it was also important to him because of where his dad's side of the family was. Here's Josh Morrissey after the game. Well, yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, again, knowing that this is where my grandparents lived their entire lives. My dad grew up here until he moved to Calgary and uh, as an adult. And, uh, um, you know, it was special. They, I think they were really supported me when I was a kid uh, and didn't have the chance to watch me play a lot just because they didn't live where we did in Calgary. So uh, to come back here and, um, you know, again, they were big Ryder fans. They were season ticket holders. So uh, at the old stadium, of course, but to kind of, uh, get a win here in the fashion we did and personally score a goal uh, 
you know, that's something I'll remember for a long time. And it was like they were kind of, they were with me a little bit in that moment. So it was pretty special for me and my family. Brian Little is an underappreciated player in the national media. Every time I'm out of town, people are like, oh, the Jets need a second line center. Jets need a second line center. And I know people say that all the time here. Uh, you hear that all the time in Winnipeg. You see it on social media. Everywhere except in the dressing room and with the coaching staff, I will die on that hill. Don't at me. I don't care what you think or how you think the Jets should have a second line center. I see your crap all the time about what Brian Little is to this hockey team. I know what I see. I've talked with enough members of the coaching staff, and I've seen enough video to show me what Brian Little does for this hockey team. So for him to score his first of the season in overtime, after missing the 2016 Heritage Classic here in Winnipeg, he was hurt. Thrilled to get the chance to play in this one. Uh, nice moment on Friday. He was skating with his mom at the family skate uh, at Mosaic Stadium, but he sums up what it meant to get that game-winning goal, which was his first of the season, especially after mi missing the nine games to start the year with a concussion. It's up there. It's pretty cool. Um, you know, I felt like uh, is this one of those games where I just pretty much didn't have any chances. Then you get a, a two-on-one like that in overtime. Um, you know, and I'll admit I didn't really do too much. I just went to the net and put my stick on the ice, and you know, Kyle made a great pass. So, but it, it was definitely an, a great feeling. Now, Brian Little has spent his entire 13-year NHL career with the Jets slash Thrashers. I know a lot of you want to forget that time, but that's that's here. That's history. Uh, he holds the franchise mark for games played, 830, uh, netted his seventh career overtime goal. That was his seventh career overtime goal. Only three other skaters have as many overtime markers in franchise history. Uh, Ilya Kovalchuk has nine. Mark Scheifele has eight. Dustin Bufflin has seven. So Brian Little now tied with Dustin Bufflin with seven career overtime goals. That one as big as it's going to get. But last but not least, uh, it's another come-from-behind win for the Jets. They've had a ton of them. Uh, you have being down 4 nothing in New Jersey. They come back to win that one 5-4 in a shootout. They were down 2 nothing on the road in Chicago. Expended a ton of energy to win that one 3-2 in overtime. And now down late to Calgary, one nothing. Nothing is working for them at that, and they come back, tie it up late, win it in overtime 2-1. So the Jets are now 5-3 and three when the opposition scores first. I asked Patrick Laine after the game in Regina what it meant for the Jets to have another come-from-behind win, and his answer was very interesting. It was, there was a positive message behind it, but also a big message of what has to change for this hockey club. I think it says that, uh, you know, I don't think we can, we can be chasing the opponent every game we got to be in that position that we're we're the one defending the lead i think we uh just got to play better when when the game starts got to find find way find, find ways to uh to score and still play good defense um so but i think it says says a lot i think we have great great players here um room full of great players who can all Everybody can finish in this, in this room, so uh, it, I think we, we have a really good team. Line A posted his team-leading 10th assist of the season on Morrissey's tying goal to become the sixth player in franchise history to record 10 or more assists in the team's first 12 games of the season, and third to do so since the club relocated to Winnipeg. So Blake Wheeler did that in 2017-18. And Toby Enstrom, remember Toby Enstrom? In 2012-2013. Uh, before I get to our guest, it's a... It's a light. How do I put this? He is the guest, special guest of this program. Uh, it is Dave Allett of Jets Alumni. Some explanation here. I, I clarify this a little bit. It's a very short interview, um, but he still remains our guest. Uh, Friday afternoon, the NHL put on a legacy luncheon. The Flames and Jets alumni were there on stage. 
uh, front of the people assembled, both sides of things. Uh, Jamie McCowan and, and Lanny McDonald for the Flames were there. Of course, when you hear the name Jamie McCowan, if you're from the Jets 1.0 time, you know, the old blood's boiling. Uh, the Jets had Chris King, Shane Doan, Thomas Steen, and Dave Allen in attendance. Now, they all go up on stage with Elliot Friedman for a hot stove lounge. And McCowan tells his side of the story with the cross check that broke Dale Howarchuk's ribs in the playoffs in the 80s. And that may have cost the Jets the Stanley Cup that year. There was no question about that. You talk to any guy from that Jet team, how they feel about it. You talk to Mark Chipman about it, uh, even though Mark Chipman wasn't, he's a younger man at that point. But you talk to anybody within the organization about that year, that was probably Winnipeg's best chance to win the Stanley Cup. Now, McCowan told the story on stage, says people still don't talk to him about that moment. So clearly those are Jets fans. And he clearly stated he didn't mean to break Howard Chuck's ribs. But it happened. Dave Ellett was at that game, and I spoke with the former Jet real quick, but he had some real insightful thoughts on this, and uh, he is our, we'll call him, mini-guest for this podcast. Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets Gear locations or shop online at TrueNorthShop.com. Hi, this is Tucker Pullman, and you're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Dave, I've always asked this question of all alumni. Whenever you get together with former alumni, even with guys of their teams, does the blood get going again, and do all those memories come flooding yeah, back? Yeah, the memories do come back, and you know, it usually ends up in a discussion. Well, you remember this game, or you remember the time you did that? So, you know, always, always fun. You know, not like you said, not only just uh, former teammates, but you know, like here today, Jamie McCowan, who I actually played with in Toronto, right? And Lanny, you know, some of the stories that get going there, it's a lot of fun. One of the more controversial moments in Winnipeg Jets history is Jamie McCowan's check on Dale Howard. Chuck, I mean, he re- he regaled that story again. How how do you still see it? this many years later well you know obviously that was my rookie year and I think Dale was runner-up for league MVP that year had a heck of a year and that was in the first round we ended up beating Calgary in that series and moved on to Edmonton play Edmonton and you know that's where we really miss Dale it cost us a chance to maybe you know I had our goaltender that year Brian Hayward was really playing well so we actually, for one time, matched up quite well against Edmonton. And, you know, without Dale, we just couldn't, couldn't do it. What about Jamie today? Obviously, you can have good laughs with him and everything like that. But at that moment, the, you, I heard you guys talking about you guys actually hated each other. Something that kind of seems missing from the game today. Oh, there, he had a bullseye in his back. Yeah. I think that happened in game three. And then we had to play him again game four. We, we, won, we won the game and won the series. But I think that game four, there was a lot of, a lot of scrums and, you know, I can't say we were trying to go after him because right. there was more important things trying to win the series. But certainly, uh, you know, he he heard our, put our best player out of the lineup, and he had a bullseye. When you see the two teams play each other now, does do the memories come back as well? Yeah, it's uh, you know, it was always tough. Uh, you know, back in when I was in Winnipeg, you know, Calgary, they had great teams. You know, won, won a Stanley Cup, and you know, anytime we played them, it was uh, you know, it was a tough hockey game. Uh, both teams are, you know, good, fast hockey teams, but also big, physical games. So, yeah, we'll see. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I can't say they're all great memories, but yeah. <laughs> certainly, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to tomorrow and seeing this game. One last one. My favorite part of the story today is your first two NHL games are in Calgary and Edmonton, How, or vice versa. How ridiculous is that? Yeah, that was not, uh, you know, a 20-year-old 
first game, uh, they're raising the Stanley Cup banner in Edmonton, and I don't know what the final score was, maybe 6-1 we lost. I don't know if we got out of our end too often. And then we jumped on a bus, uh, take the bus ride to Calgary, and next night we got Calgary's home opener, and, you know, they had gotten knocked out the year before, and same sort of thing, I don't know, 6-1, six, 6-0. Six, and it was kind of like after the game, I'm like, wow, I don't think I got out of my end. Yeah, two full games, and it's like this is the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> I actually kind of lied on this one. Dale's health is on the on the line right now. Just some thoughts uh, about Dale. Well, I spoke with him uh, two days ago, so you know, obviously he's in for a tough battle. Uh, he's in great spirits, uh, very determined to to beat it, and I think atti his attitude is outstanding. You know, he's they have a plan, and as of today, everything's going great. So. You know, obviously our thoughts and prayers are with Dale and his family. Now, Ella was very diplomatic with his answers. But when they were on stage, you could just see uh, the blood going, the passion starting again when Jamie McCown was telling that story. And not like it was going to get – I'm not dramatizing this at anything. Of course, it's been a long time since that happened. But uh, just real cool to see the display up on the stage. Uh, the storytelling was fantastic, and for the people there, it was a, a real special moment. So even with the storytelling and looking back in a few decades between the Flames and Jets, there was a moment that stole the show that had nothing to do with anything on the ice. Uh, Edmund Belgrade, uh, the tribal chief and chairman from a, a local tribal council, presented uh, Mark Chipman, Flames president and CEO, John Bean, and NHL commissioner Gary Bettman with these ceremonial blankets. Clearly, Bettman's was the colors of the National Hockey League, Bean's was the color of the Flames, and Mark Chipman's was... Winnipeg Jet Colors. Now, it is considered a high honor, and it represents warmth, protection, and a big thank you. Now, the tribe, among the many people from the province that were thankful to have the 2019 Tim Hortons NHL Heritage Classic in Regina, uh, Chipman spoke to him afterwards, had no idea about the presentation was going to happen, and it certainly left an impact with Mark Chipman. Well, it's just an artificial line dividing us, really, um, you know, it, it, which is great, and that it create, has created that great rivalry between the Riders and the Bombers, but we're just prairie folks, you know, and, and I think what unites us is uh, is that most of us are from, uh, you know, smaller centres or, or small towns, and, and hockey has been a way, uh, you know, that we've celebrated life on, on the Northern Plains for, for you know, over a century now, and um, so I think that's all it was. I mean, you know, our, our connection to Humboldt was just a hockey one. It was just Humboldt could have just as easily been in northern Manitoba, and, and you know, I, I got a, I got a chance to to experience that community a couple of times over the past year, and you know, it's just you just feel like you're home when you're there. You could be in any community in Manitoba. And, uh, Kevin Garinger and the people I got to know there are just we're just all you know similar folks and have a love of the game and, and very proud of where we're where we're all from. Real neat ceremony. So again, Regina, Bravo! Many memories that I'll I'll never forget, and I, I know Jets fans are going to feel the same way. And even Calgary Flames players and coaching staff. Uh, had some very positive things to say. And the Flames, you know, had two points in their grasp, saw, saw that disappear, but a lot of guys were very positive about the whole thing afterwards. So Jets Rewards is now time to go to jetsrewards.ca. Uh, type in the word drive, and that is it. That is your word, the code word for this podcast, drive. And I know a lot of you drove to Regina from Winnipeg and all over the province of Manitoba. We saw Jets fans on the road all over the place on our stops along the way. Uh, first time I've ever had to drive to go to a Jets game uh, since I've been working for this hockey club, but it was a cool five and a half hours with Steve Godkin and, and uh, Daniel Moss, and it, it actually the time went by pretty fast, especially yesterday. 
uh, on the way back because we were listening to fantasy football broadcasts on satellite radio, and that made it go by a lot faster as well. Mosser played his video games, and um, I'm not jealous at all, but that's, that's what you do, and Steve Godkin drove. So thank you, Steve, for getting us home safely. Jets play three times this week, all within the Pacific Division. Uh, that starts Tuesday in Anaheim. Uh, Friday they are in San Jose, and Saturday they'll make their lone visit to Vegas to take on the Vegas Golden Knights. Also some huge news that we should, uh, I have to say, before uh, we end this podcast, the Jets announced that there are two new members going into the Winnipeg Jets Hall of Fame, and one of them was in attendance to drop the puck for the ceremonial faceoff to start off the 2019 Tim Hortons NHL Heritage Classic at, in Regina at Mosaic Stadium. That was uh, Thomas Steen. Uh, he was there, and I should remember, yeah, I did say Thomas Steen was on stage during the, uh, the hot stove lounge. Uh, he was there, and of course, Randy Carlisle also uh, going into the Winnipeg Jets Hall of Fame. So congratulations to both gentlemen. We had uh, Randy on the podcast earlier, I believe it was in the summer at some point. We kind of had an idea that he was going in, but we put him on the podcast, some great stuff from him. So Randy Carlisle, Thomas Steen are going to become the 7th and 8th inductees into the Hall of Fame. Uh, the two ex-team captains of the 1.0 version of the team will be honored on a special alumni night alumni night game February 11th when the Jets host the New York Rangers. Jacob Troop will be back that night. Uh, so it'll be a special night all the way around. So uh, Jets hosting the New York Rangers at Bell MTS Place. A Hall of Fame luncheon will be planned the following day. I'll be uh, hosting that one. And I believe Dennis Bayak of TSN will be uh, providing the hot stove questions for Randy Carlisle and Thomas Steen. And uh, throughout this year, uh, I saw that one Zinger. Craig Heisinger, the assistant general manager of the Calgary Flames, and Randy Carlisle, and they told some fantastic stories from the 1.0 days. So that will be up on the on the scoreboard throughout the 2019-2020 regular season. So a part of the festivities that evening, the Jets will wear their Heritage jerseys for the third and final time this season. Uh, Carlisle and Steen join Bobby Hall, Anders Hedberg, Alf Nielsen, Lars Eric Schuberg, Ab McDonald, and Dale Howarchuk, and the Jets Hall of Fame was, of course, established in 2016. Uh, that is something to look forward to as this season rolls along. I believe that has uh, got us to the time limit that is necessary for these situations. As always, uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, there will be lots of stuff to go over as we get into things next week. And uh, the many thanks to Dave Ellett for being the guest of this podcast. Didn't even know it. Have a great week, everybody. This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com.